Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you. It's Friday. We made it. We're seven, eight minutes past the time, at least for most of us. Actually, my day ended a little bit earlier and I wound up doing some study time. I had to put some sermon together for today. This is fresh right off the cuff. Uh, Man, we, we've been rolling downhill all day and looking forward to getting to this point. And God just poured something over me today, uh, actually, while I was at a job site this morning. And I've chewed on it all day. I put it together this afternoon. So buckle up. Uh, this, one, <laughs> this one may get good. Socially acceptable. That's what I titled this. Socially acceptable. Now, I was out and about today, this morning, doing some work. I'd been given the task of repairing a door ding on a vehicle. After some scheduling conflicts, we finally made the connection with the owner, and I, and I went to their home this morning. I got my needed tools out, and I began this process. Now, it was kind of it was sad, I guess, kind of funny at the same time. The owner kind of felt bad for me. We were in the garage. It was hot, not a breath of air, no wind whatsoever, and I had sprung several leaks, and I was sweating heavily. So the owner went and got a fan and even brought out a couple of ice waters for me, a couple of cups of ice water and set them on a bench there beside me so I could do my job. And we began to converse about some things. Now, uh, in most instances, I had mentioned my involvement in ministry as we began uh, maybe to even lean toward more of the faith-oriented topics in our conversation. As our time elapsed and we learned more about each other's faith history and our visions, a statement was made that I have chewed on for the rest of this day. My customer made the comment that they go to church today for the fellowship with other believers. But they get their depth and their biblical teaching more from personal study and sought after teachings from others. As I chewed on this and even shared it with Rhonda shortly after leaving the job successfully completed, my mind and heart could not leave this alone. Now, it would seem that today most church settings are more a place to gather socially. We've created these user-friendly atmospheres and environments. And most of you are going to recognize some of this. And, I, you know, listen, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just going to point something out here. Most churches are seeker-friendly crowd-pleasers. We put on the coffee and even cafe settings as a comfort draw, seeking to become more palatable to today's masses. Most churches do not teach the depth or fundamental truths of God's Word. Sunday school and Bible study have been far left behind. Ron and I were discussing that. Both of us grew up in a, a Pentecostal background, the Assemblies of God Church, and we had Sunday school, Sunday mornings. We had Sunday evening church. We Most of our churches don't have Sunday night service anymore. Uh, and, and so technically, we go to church one, one day a week, Sunday morning. Most churches promote this feel-good atmosphere, and then they team that with a feel-good message. Maybe there's concert-style worship, lights, fog. I've been in many. And again, some of them are really good. Some of the atmospheres are awesome. I mean, I was a youth pastor for a long time. I understand creating an atmosphere that that would promote worship, especially out of a bunch of teenagers who really are, are you know, don't really want to be seen by anybody else. Most churches will not produce a message that challenges a believer spiritually. 
this 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 is a sad statement right here. And I and I listen. I have I, I get to travel a lot. I get to hear a lot. I hear a lot of messages today. I, I study a lot of word today. Most churches, and I'm, I'm I'm saying most, so don't get your hackles all up if you feel like you got a good one. Most churches will not produce a message that challenges a believer spiritually. Most of the messages coming from the platforms today are dealing with love, prosperity, fitting in, you're okay, God loves you as you are, and they fail to challenge our sin nature. And we all have one. I don't care who you think you are. We were born with a sin nature, and it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we overcome that sin nature. And that sin nature will fight us until we stand in front of him. And he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. You see, today we have a serious problem in most churches today. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that you go to church? I want you to be honest with yourself. I, I, you don't need to answer that to me. It's not between you and me. It's, it's between you and the Lord. Why is it that you attend church? This next scripture gets used quite a bit in light of this particular question. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, And let us consider thoroughly how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. But wait, there's more. Remember the infomercials? You see, the entire first part of this chapter sets up this one verse. We use it, but we also misuse it. I've heard it ministered many, many times and being misused a great deal. But the first part of this chapter explaining much as to the why do we go to church part. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. And I'm going to use the amplified version. I like how it expounds on this. So starting with verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 10. For since the law has only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually, year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. For if it were otherwise, would not these sacrifices have stopped being offered? For the worshipers, having once for all time been cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. Verse 3 says, But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sins to be atoned for year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, remember what that word means, because of this, when Christ enters into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you have taken no delight. Going on to verse 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the scroll of the book. After saying in the citation above, you have neither desired nor have ta you have taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And so he does away with the first covenant as means of atoning for sin based on animal sacrifices. 
so that he may inaugurate and establish the second covenant by means of obedience. And in accordance with his will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified, that is, set apart as holy for God and his purposes, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ the Messiah, the anointed once and for all. Verse 11 says, Every priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip away sins that envelop and cover us. Whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time, sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin at the right hand of God, the position of honor, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14 says, For by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. And the Holy Spirit also adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For after having said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their heart, and on their mind I will inscribe them, producing an inward change. He then says, And their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more, no longer holding their sins against them. Verse 18 ends this particular piece with now, where there is absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. Now, I, for one, haven't ever heard this particular passage taught. I've heard bits and pieces, but I've never really looked into this piece because we always focus on that one particular area. Have you ever heard this passage taught? You see, it's, it's really powerful as it explains that God sent the ultimate sacrifice to atone for our sin. All we have to do is accept and in surrender to him, that sacrifice covers us once and for all in our surrender. Now see, the next part sets up a whole new way of living as a follower of Christ. Now, So we understand the sacrifice has changed, that we don't have to take bulls and goats to the burnt offering anymore. I'd hate to do that. Good Lord, that would not be good. But now, now because of Jesus Christ, he has been sacrificed for once and for all for our sins. So we go on to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and we pick it up there where it says, Therefore, remember that word, because of this, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil as the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Then we get to this part. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more faithfully 
as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Now, this passage of Scripture doesn't end there. It goes on to Christ or judgment. It's your choice. So with verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 10, says, For if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is no further offering to anticipate. 27, verse 27 says, But a kind of awful and terrifying expectation of divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much greater punishment do you think will be well-deserved to those who have rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and has insulted the Spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessings of God? Verse 30 says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. Retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. I will repay the wrongdoer. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31 ends it this way, It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and his wrath. Folks, this is the word of God. It's not watered down for our entertainment. It's truth. And the Bible says that the truth shall set them free. There's a meme on social media that floats around once in a while. I catch it every now and again. I personally love it as as we as followers of Christ get the don't judge me thrown at us quite often. The meme says this, only God can judge me. But it ends with, and that should scare us to death. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. I will repay the wrongdoer. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and his wrath. I don't want to incur God's judgment or his wrath. We're going to be judged as followers of Christ. We're going to have our time um, being judged for the deeds, for, our, for the work of service, of our, of our faithful life. But, but I, I mean, I stand atoned by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I work desperately to keep my, my heart right with God. I, I consider that a daily faction of, of spending time with the Lord and, and keeping my mind in the right place, my heart in the right place. And when I fail, when I fall, I'm quick to ask him to forgive me for that failure and to wash me clean and to lift me back up and to pour into me more and more so that I don't go back down into those holes and I don't go turn back into the, the sin nature. I don't want to live in that nature. I fight that nature daily. All of us do. But I, I don't want to be, and, and, and you know, some people talk about God's fear, that the fear of God is you know, more like this reverent thing of how you would you know, fear your father, that reverential fear. The Bible actually talks about the fear of God being uh, the, the phobia, actual terror. It's not of who God is because God loves us. But in the process of love comes correction. I don't want to fall into his wrath. I don't want to face his wrath in the end. 
I, I, I want to live in his correction, in his corrective word. I want to live according to his word. And I want to let his word correct me, straighten me out. I don't want to water it down. I don't want to adulterate the word of God. I want to bring it forth as truth so that it sets me free. The final verses of this passage, verses 32 through 39, encourage us to hold on and to not shrink back from our faith, even when we're faced with opposition or turmoil. I want to challenge you today. Get in God's Word. Get into a a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led body of followers of Jesus. Learn, follow, teach, and lead. And as you've heard me say before, you can't be a good leader if you're not a great follower. Until you've become a great follower of Jesus Christ, you can't lead anybody to him. You've got to learn to lead. You've got to get in his word, learn from his word, study his word, follow, be obedient to his word, and then teach and lead others along that same path. Amen. Man, I hope you find some encouragement in this. I know this has been (laughs) kind of a a wild message for me today, but I just really felt strongly about this. And I I love the conversation that I had with that today. I love how God does that, how he he sets the stage, even in my work, how he sets the stage to to pour something into me that that I can glean something from. And that that iron sharpening iron as as fellow believers uh, share their faith back and forth. I'm encouraged. I was encouraged by the conversation today and the time spent uh, just talking about family and, and, and kids who are, who are leading off into ministerial things as well. And, man, it's awesome. It's awesome to see the faith grow in a family, even in the times that we're in where most churches aren't challenging us spiritually. Find a place that challenges you spiritually. And if worst-case scenario comes— Do as these folks did that I met today. Spend time in the Word of God, allowing Him to teach you, allowing Him to refresh you, allowing Him to encourage you, embolden you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you as you seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for putting up with the length. Uh, God bless you. Ron and I love you. We thank you for your financial support, for your prayer support of this ministry. Please continue to to, to reach out to us, to pray over us. Uh, support us if you can financially. All of our giving links are on our website, www.livingloudoutdoors.com, pinned right to the top of our Facebook page on the Living Loud page. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.